I am so happy to be with you ladies tonight. It's just, um, we've been praying and thinking and dreaming, and then it's here. I cannot believe it's here already, uh, September 14th, and we are so happy um, that you're here. I'm sure, I know for a fact that God brought you here um, Maybe somebody through Facebook. How awesome is that? I am so happy that you saw that. <laughs> um, through a friend or maybe you came, you just come to church on Sundays and you decided to separate tonight. And I am so thankful for that. I am really excited. And tonight, um, I'm going to, I wanted to share with you. I was actually praying a lot and just asking God, what, what is it that you want me to share? And um, I am actually going to confess that I am going to talk about my favorite character in the Bible. Um, Joseph is like my favorite. I could read his story over and over. It doesn't change, I know, but I just love, I just love how God worked in his life. And um, it has definitely been um, the story that has encouraged me through this season of my life. And I, I wanted to share that with you. I want us to look at his life together today. So I'm not going to read the whole story. I'm going to take you through it, yes, um, and then we'll read some of the passages. But we find Joseph in the Bible, um, obviously, uh, around Genesis chapter 37. We don't know a lot about when he was a little boy or anything like that, but we, we just uh, are kind of thrown into his family life uh, when he's already a, a teenager, about 17 years old. We do know that he was the son of Jacob, uh, later called Israel, and we know from the very beginning that he's the favorite. Uh, moms, you don't have to raise your hand, but we all know that you favor a little bit a child sometimes, you know. And you, but you try to hide it sometimes, maybe, right? But Jacob was shameless. Jacob would be like, here, honey, this is a tunic that I made for you. It's so special. Look at all the colors. And everybody else was like, what about me? Like, you know, his brothers were very uh, aware of the fact that his father favored him. His his. His brothers were looking from afar, and it, it was like brewing on the inside, right? Like, oh, Joseph, oh, he, if he would just disappear, you know? Like, he's such a snitch, too. I mean, I, his father did not help matters because he would send them to look to see. Go tell me what your brothers are doing. It's like the snitch little brother. Exactly, they said the same thing. He would send them out in the field. Come back and tell me what are they doing. Are they working hard enough? Are they doing what they're supposed to be doing? And well, he would come back and be like, eh, not so much, Dad. And so that would earn him a little bit of an even worse reputation with his brothers. But we continue to see the story um, in chapter 37 that one day to make matters just a little bit worse, maybe with his brothers, Jacob, uh, Joseph has a couple of dreams. The first dream that he had, these two dreams um, are about his future, actually, which he seems to know at the time, but nobody else understands this. These dreams show him as ruling over his siblings and his family. And when, you know, you have a dream like that and your brothers already don't like you, maybe you keep it to yourself. But he did not make that connection. So he went to his brothers, he went to his family, and he said, hey guys, I've had a dream. Actually, two dreams. Let me tell you about them. In the future, I'm going to be in the middle. I'm going to be ruling over you all, and you're going to be bowing before me. 
how would you feel, right? I'd be like, what is wrong with this kid? You know, like he tells on us, my dad makes him special coats, and now he tells me he's going to rule over me. Like, seriously, Joseph, what is happening with you? But he doesn't stop at dream number one. He goes on to dream number two. He goes, and I had another one, and it's the exact same thing, and I see the exact same thing, so this must be my future. So this doesn't sit very well, okay? And... A couple days later, his brothers are out in the field, and his dad sends him out again. Go look at your brothers. Go see what they're doing. By this time, they're done. They're like, we have got to get rid of him. We have got to do something. They literally were plotting how to kill their brother. They wanted to be done with him. They would just say, you know what, there's a ditch. Let's throw him in the ditch. Or let's kill him and throw him in the ditch. Or let's just throw him in the ditch, and he'll die eventually. But the end was his death. And they were all in a grill. They said, let's do this. We're going to do this. And then we'll tell my dad that some animal ended his life. We'll just smear the jacket with some blood. It will all be fine. He will never suspect from us. And so one of the brothers gets a little guilty. And he's like, no, no, no. Uh, He's our flesh and blood. Let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in there. And, you know, Somebody else will kill him. But he was actually thinking that he would come back in the night and save him. So they all agreed, let's just do that. Let's leave him in the ditch. And they sit next to the ditch to eat their dinner. Very nice people, these brothers. And so from afar, they see this caravan. They see um, these merchants that are moving from the place where they were, and they were on their way to Egypt to sell things. And so they, they, the, they get this amazing idea in their head. They say, hey, how about we sell him? Let's make some money off of our little brother. Let's not kill him. It's better to sell him. You know, that's, that's a better choice. Logic is unbeatable here at this point. So they, they all agree, let's do this. And they do. They grab him, they take his coat away from him, and they decide to sell their brother that day. And to me, at this point, in Joseph's journey, I would just be like, what is happening right now? Just a couple of days ago, just a, just a couple of verses above this, we, we see a kid who was... Obviously, very well loved by his father. He was comfortable where he lived. He had a bright future, and he knew it. He knew his future was bright, and he was thinking about it. He was planning on this, and all of a sudden, everything is turned upside down. He's stripped from his home. He is betrayed by his brothers. He is sold as a slave. All in a matter of days, his life completely changes. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I would just, I like to imagine how they feel in the Bible, and I would think that nowhere in his plan would have Joseph even imagined remotely that something like this was going to happen. There's no way. I would have looked at what, the dreams that I just had a couple nights ago and my reality right now, and I would think this does not match God, how does this go together? It doesn't. It doesn't go together. This shouldn't be happening to me. I am Joseph. But it did. It happened. In just a matter of minutes, his life was forever changed. And before we move, we continue anymore, 
I want to read a verse that is in Genesis, Genesis 49. If you have a Bible with you, you can read it with me. It's not going to come up on the screen. If you, have a, if you have your Bible, you can read it with us. We do have some Bibles in the back. Um, if not, just listen with me. It's Genesis 49, um, verse 22. It says, Joseph is a fruitful bow, a main branch of the vine, a fruitful bow by a spring, a well, a fountain. Its branches run over the wall, influencing others. The skilled archers have bitterly attacked him and provoked him. They have shot at him and harassed him, but his bow remained firm and steady, and the strength that does not fail, for his arms were made strong and agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. This is how his father, before he died, prophesied over Joseph. He said, this is who you are. This is who you've been. This is how your life has been. You have been fruitful. You have been blessed. You have been like a tree that is planted next to a river or a fountain or a well. You have been full of fruit. Can you match that over what we start to see in his life? It's hard to believe that this is the same person that we're talking about. Somebody that has been sold, somebody that has lost everything that he ever knew. He shipped over to Egypt and he's never even been there. He was so young, he has nobody there and he's not going on a trip. He doesn't know what's gonna happen to him. Now the Bible tells us um, that Joseph is later on bought by somebody named Potiphar. Um, He was a captain of the guard of uh, Pharaoh, and so he's very wealthy, and he's very powerful, and so he buys Joseph, and he takes him home with him, and we find in Genesis verse 39 a very interesting description of what the Bible says when um, he takes him home with him, and in Genesis 39 verse 2 through 5, it says, the Lord was with Joseph, and he even though a slave, became a successful and prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph pleased Potiphar and found favor in his sight. And he served him as a personal servant. And he made Joseph overseer over his house. And he put all that he owned in his charge. It happened from that time that he made Joseph overseer in his house and put him in charge over all that he owned, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house because of Joseph. So the Lord's blessing was on everything that Potiphar owned in the house and in the field. I just, I love that verse. It just, it seems like it shouldn't be described that way, right? Because I love this version of the Bible. It's called the Amplified Bible, and it kind of like explains it to you a little more. And it's saying, the Lord was with Joseph, and even though he was a slave, is in parentheses. Like it's reminding you, right? Don't forget this guy's actual situation. He was a slave, yet the Bible describes Joseph as successful and prosperous. I don't think any of us today would think of somebody that is slaved as successful and prosperous. That would probably be the absolute opposite. We would not see somebody like that. They, they don't have their freedom. They don't have their own place. They don't have all these things. We would not 
It wouldn't fit in our minds like that. But the Bible actually says it and repeats it over and over. It says, the Lord was with Joseph and everything that he did prospered. The Egyptian's house, everything multiplied. It was just blessings upon blessings on this guy's life. Thanks to Joseph being in their house. It is amazing. (laughs) And you know, you could be tempted to think, hey, life's not that bad for Joseph. He's actually doing really good. He's living in a great house. His boss seems to really like him. You know, his work is going really great. What's so sad about this story? Let's keep looking. Um, Just a couple of verses later, we find the Potiphar's wife, She was not the greatest lady that we will ever know, okay? She saw this young man, and the Bible actually describes Joseph as a very handsome guy. So she was probably bored home all day looking at this guy work, you know, like, you know, my husband is old. This guy's very good looking. Why don't we try something? I'm sure it'll work out, you know? She's probably thinking these horrible thoughts. Let's tempt this little young man, you know? And she did. She went through with it. She kept nagging Joseph, coming back night after night, lay with me, come into my bedroom, lay with me. I can't even imagine how awful it must have been for him. He wanted to do what was right. He wanted to be obedient to the Lord. He knew that would have been horrible. He, he actually responds to her and says, how could I possibly do that to your husband? He has been so kind to me. He has been so good to me. I could never betray him like that. She doesn't understand. She keeps asking and pushing, and one day she grabs onto his coat, and she wants to forcefully take him in. And he's like, no, lady. He just throws the coat and runs out. Of course, she's like, "Mm mm-mm, that's not the story I'm going to tell. And so when Potiphar comes home, she twists everything upside down, and she goes, that man you brought into my house wanted to take advantage of me. He wanted to hurt me, and I screamed, and so he ran, and of course, he threw his coat while he was running. I think deep down, Potiphar knew that wasn't true, but it was his wife, and it was his house, and he couldn't look bad, so what happens to Joseph? He's thrown into jail. Joseph goes from being in a place where seemingly he was fine into being thrown into jail for something he didn't do, and now we have no, he has no idea what's going to happen to him. It's not like, you know, we have a nice judicial system back in Egypt. I don't think so. I think that if you were thrown into jail, you were just probably there to rot until they decided to either hang you or release you. So he didn't really know how it was going to pan out for him. He w- was still very young. He was, I'm sure, very afraid. He didn't know what to do. But yet again... <laughs> The Bible is so awesome. It tells us this in the same chapter of Genesis 39 in verse 21. 20, I'm going to read from 20. It says, So Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. So he was there in the prison, and again, but the Lord was with Joseph and extended loving kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the warden. And the warden committed to Joseph's care all the prisoners who were in the prison so that whatever was done there, he was in charge of it. The warden paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's care because the Lord was with him. And whatever Joseph did, the Lord made to prosper. 
again. We see it again. He was in jail, probably in a situation that he had no idea how he was going to get out of. He had no hope. He had no lawyer. He had no way of figuring out, how am I going to get to my dream from here? This doesn't match my dream, God. I'm supposed to be over there. You know, I'm supposed to be where I rule, but I'm here? I'm abandoned in a prison? How is that going to work out? And then, still, in that situation, we see that God never left his side. God was with him, and everything that he put his hand to prospered. Everything that he did was amazing. It's like he had the golden touch, right? Everything multiplied. Everything was, nobody had to worry about the things that that were in his care. Joseph was a prosperous man. He was a successful man. I don't know how you see it, but at first this to me still seemed like a contradiction. Sold into slavery, yet prosperous. Falsely accused, unfairly jailed, but favored. And everything that he did succeeded. How could these two things go together? And I was just sitting there looking at a story over and over. I've read the story so many times. And I just asked myself, how could it be possible that in the middle of what it could have broken Joseph, this should have destroyed him. It would have destroyed somebody else. It probably would have broken a lot of us. It would have broken me, you know, like to have everything taken away from me. It would have made him bitter. It should have made him bitter. Maybe sitting at night in his jail thinking, my brothers, if I ever see those guys again. You know, if I should, it should have made him angry. It should have made him all these other things. It should have made him full of despair. But we don't see that. The Bible at least doesn't say that. It says the opposite. It says that he, everywhere he went, everything was fruitful. Everything was amazing. Even though his circumstances were not amazing, it was like he brought it with him. He brought success. He brought prosperity with him. It wasn't his circumstances, for sure. They weren't favorable. They weren't a good place to be. They weren't a good place to flourish. (laughs) They were quite the opposite, extremely the opposite. I actually want to, um, the meaning of the word flourish is, looked up in the dictionary, um, it says the verb, to flourish. It's of a person, an animal, or a living organism, uh, their growth or development in a healthy and vigorous environment, especially as a result of a particularly favorable environment. I think that we can all say that this was not his circumstance. He was not in a particularly favorable environment. That was not his story, yet we see that he is flourishing. He's growing, he's healthy, he's doing all these amazing things. He is vigorous, like the, the meaning says. So why? Why? What is the secret sauce? What is the thing that causes this man to flourish where he was? We see it in Genesis 39.2, in Genesis 39.21, in Genesis 39.23. And the Lord was with Joseph. That's the secret. There was nothing else. There was absolutely nothing else. 
Joseph's prosperity and success had nothing to do with him getting his way. It had nothing to do with his dreams coming true. It had absolutely nothing to do with him being free. It had nothing to do with her circumstance. He was still in jail. He was still a slave. He he was still betrayed. He was still alone. He still had no idea how anything would play out. Nothing, no plan. I don't know how you function like that. I like a plan. But he had nothing, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yet, there we find him blessed, prosperous, flourishing, because the Lord was with him. I love that the Bible makes it a point to repeat this to us over and over again. God's presence was the defining factor in his life. God's presence was the only constant thing that we see in his life. Everything else was taken away from him. But God's presence was his favorable environment. That was his favorable environment. That was the reason he could be the way that he was. That was the reason he could go through what he was going through and yet still be full of life and still be blessing others. Potiphar's house was multiplied and blessed because of him. Everybody in the prison was well taken care of because of him. He was blessing others while being in jail. He was blessing others in this horrible season that he found himself in. I think that Joseph could have lost his mind. I think he could have been bitter and angry. He could have, you know what? He could have chosen to sat on his hands and just be like, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to wait for God to get me out of this jail before I start to do good things for him. He could have decided to just be idle, but he didn't. Joseph was never idle. He didn't hesitate to do good. He didn't stop putting his hand to everything that God laid before him to do. Joseph bloomed, he succeeded, and he grew, and he blessed everyone around him because the presence of God was the place where he lived. It didn't matter what happened to him, and it didn't matter what people did to him. It didn't matter what came against him or where he ended up. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. I love that. <laughs> I absolutely love that. And you may be wondering, okay, so it's your favorite character in the Bible and how this applies to me? It applies to me. <laughs> I am not Joseph, obviously. And I, but you know what? I have felt many times where I have just not seen anything in front of me. I don't understand what God is doing or where he's taking me or why things suck or why everything is just not working out. You try to do the right thing and all the doors shut and it's like, whoa, what are you doing? Maybe I'm the only heathen around here, but I have felt that way plenty, (laughs) a lot, especially in the past two, three years. I've been like, God, what are you doing? Get me out of this thing. Stop. Finish this season. I can't take it anymore. I've given him an ultimatum, right? Can we stop this now so that I can get to being productive, so that I can do things for you? I'm just sitting here. I can't do anything that I want to do. And God just like, 
No. I thought that God had to get me out of my dark season before he could use me, and I was incredibly wrong. I had to find him there. I had to find him there. I had to find him in the pit. I had to find him in Potiphar's house. I had to find him in the betrayal. I had to find him in the jail. I had to find him there. Because that's what makes the difference. He didn't need to get me out of this season before he could do something with my life. It didn't need to be my way. It didn't need to be the way I wanted it to be. I was planning my prison break, and God was saying, no, be fruitful there, now, right here where I have put you. Put your hand to work. Do what is in front of you. Be fruitful now. There's opportunity everywhere. There's opportunity everywhere, and we're so blind sometimes because we're thinking... When things are better, when my husband acts better, when my kids are bigger, when my job is not so busy or so demanding, when I'm not so tired, when I'm not so sick, when blah, blah, blah. And God is like, no, find me. Find me here and let's get to work. Find me here and let's do what I've called you to do. There is so much. There's much more. God wants you and me to be fruitful right now, right here where we are. Right now, right here where we are. Joseph was not superhuman. He was not. And actually, in the next uh, part of his story, he meets these two guys that work for Pharaoh, and he knows they have a dream. He interprets the dream. He knows they're going to get out. And so he goes, please, dude, you're going to get out. Tell him about me. Get me out of here. I need to get out of here. I am innocent. I haven't done anything wrong. I have been sold. Get me out. Obviously, they didn't. They left him there for two more years. They forgot about him. I think partly it was God that wasn't done (laughs) with Joseph. But he wanted out. He wasn't nuts. He wasn't like, I'm loving the jail life. No, he was, he was suffering. He's like, I need to get out of here. This isn't what I want. This isn't where I'm meant to be. I'm meant to be somewhere else. But there, he walked his dark season with God. And you know what? I think sometimes is in those dark places that bring us the most beautiful picture of who God is. It is those places that we wish God would get us out of already that God leaves us in so that we would bring the most wonderful fruit. God's like, no, 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 just a little bit longer. There's so much more to be done in here. There's so much more fruit to be found here. There's so much more of me that you haven't seen yet. There's so much more of him, and we miss it. We miss what God wants to do. I love the verse of Isaiah 51, 3. And you have it in your little thing that you got, I hope, when you came in. Um, It says this, For the Lord will comfort Zion in her captivity. He will comfort all her ruins, and he will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. 
Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and a voice of melody. It doesn't say God's going to get you out of the desert, and when he gets you out, he's going to take you to a garden. No. It says, in the desert, that desert is going to look like a garden to you. God is going to do something so amazing in this place that you so don't want to be, in this place that you so don't understand, in this season of your life that you wish so hard God would finish already. God is going to say, I'm going to meet you there. I'm going to meet you right there, and I'm going to make this place so amazing with my presence that you're going to flourish, and there's going to be fruit, and it's going to be unrecognizable from what it used to be. It's going to be amazing because of who he is and because his presence will meet you there. Genesis 49:22 that I read earlier It said that Joseph is a fruitful bow, a fruitful bow by a spring. Another version says, Joseph was like a tree planted by the rivers. Its branches run over the wall, influencing others. I love that. It says, the skilled archers have bitterly attacked him and provoked him. They've shot at him and harassed him. But his bow remained firm and steady in the strength that does not fail. For his arms were made strong and agile by the hands of the one mighty God of Jacob. By the name of the shepherd, the stone of Israel. By the God of your father who would help you. And by the almighty who blesses you. I love that verse. I love that because... Joseph was like a tree planted by the rivers, but he wasn't by a river. He was in a jail. He was in a situation that had no sense. He had no out, but yet he was flourishing. (laughs) He blessed other people. I love the the image that it paints for us because it says, It says, skilled archers have bitterly attacked him and provoked him. Maybe you are in a season in your life when you feel like everything is against you. Like nothing is working. Just absolutely nothing. Like it is, the enemy is aiming at your head and he is getting it. Like you have a target on your back. I don't know what you're going through. I have absolutely no idea. But I know that God can make you remain steady just like he did with Joseph. I know that God can make us not just remain firm and steady, but bless others. He can make our flowers and our fruits spread over a wall. He can make us be so beautiful in this season of our lives. Wherever you are, whatever you are going through, it's precisely in the pits and the jails and Potiphar's houses of our lives that God wants to meet us. And if anything, if anything tonight, if you take anything with you, take that. God is waiting to walk this season with you. He is waiting to prosper you, but not the prosperity that we think. He's waiting to prosper you with his presence. He's waiting for you to come to him so you can start bearing fruit so that you can start influencing others, so you can get to know him like never before. Maybe you're still in there because God has a part of him he wants you to know. Don't run from him. 
It's so easy in seasons like that to say, you know what, I am done with you. I am so tired. I'm not even going to pray. I'm not even going to read my Bible because you're not going to tell me anything new. I already know what's in that book. Don't. Draw closer. (laughs) If anything, draw closer. Come crying if you have to. Be honest. Be like, you know what, I don't understand what you're doing. This is so hard. This This is just not what we planned, God. This isn't going according to plan at all. But I want you. I want to find you. I want to find you there. I want to know you here. I want you to do what you want to do with my life here, now, not later. Now. The last verse that I'm going to read is in John 15, 16. It's also the amplified version. I just love that version. It says, You have not chosen me, this is Jesus speaking, but I have chosen you, and I have appointed and placed and purposefully planted you so that you would go and bear fruit and keep on bearing, and that your fruit will remain and be lasting so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. You know what I want to ask him? I want to ask him to make me flourish. I want to ask him that I don't stop seeking him and getting to know him because it's hard. I want to ask him, I want to tell him that I am obviously not enough to do this by myself. That I can't. And just like the lyrics of the song that we sang a few minutes ago that we are going to sing again because I asked them to sing it again as a response. They say, I am not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Ask God to meet you. Right there where you are. Whatever you're going through, tell him, God, I need you to meet me because if you don't, I'm not making it through. I want to find the purpose for this season. I want to be purposeful. I want to be doing what you want me to do, but I want to find you because if I don't find him, there's no doing. It was the Lord that made him prosperous. It was his presence. So before thinking about doing more things for God, which he does want to do, he wants us to get to know him more. He wants us to find him. He wants to change us. Will you stand with me as we pray? God, we just, we need you. It is the desire of our hearts to know you, to have all that you are right here in this season of our lives, whatever it may look like to each woman in this place. It may be a hard one, it may be an easy one, it may be a busy one, but God, we don't want anything else to be taken away from us getting to know you. We don't want to wait for things to get better or easier or less busy or less occupied. We want to make room for you to absolutely interfere with everything in our lives. We want to make room for your presence. We want to make room for you, Jesus, because if you are not in it, then it's not worth being in it, God. We want your presence. We want your presence, and we want your presence to change us.
and to make us fruitful right here, right now where we are, God. So as we sing this song again, God, hear the heart, hear the cries of our hearts and meet us here, God. Meet us here again.